I hope you're having a good week so far. We're almost done with this series. I've really enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to, after this is done, getting started on another verse-by-verse Bible study, which is what I typically do on Wednesday nights. Uh, But for now, we're looking at the question, is church attendance really necessary? And I planned this way back in the summertime. I had no idea that by the time I'd be talking about this, we'd be in the middle of a quarantine. And it would have been six weeks, almost two months, since we had physically gathered together in the church building. And it's been interesting to talk to people and getting used to uh, recording these kinds of Bible studies and and preaching online, so to speak. And I've talked to people who've said, I'm getting to where I kind of enjoy this. I'm getting to where it's not so bad sitting in my pajamas on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night and just being able to study the word and, and sing and pray. And I agree, that is a blessing. There's a lot of people who wonder though, once this quarantine is fully over, how many Christians will say, I think I'll stick with the online version. Is that a good option? Is that a viable option for say, you know, why get up? Why get dressed up? Why go to the trouble? Why not just stay at home and do this where it's convenient? Well, that's what I want to talk about tonight. What what makes church attendance necessary? Uh, you know where I stand on this, obviously, but why? There are a lot of people in our culture, even beyond uh, the people I just spoke of, there are a lot of people who would say, I don't see why church attendance is necessary. In fact, there are some who say that being part of a religious body of any kind actually makes you a, a lesser person. They would say organized religion is one of the problems in our culture, and I get where they're coming from. Obviously, Every religion you want to point to has its share of scandals, even Christianity. And we see, we see bad things happen in churches from time to time that make us think, well, maybe, maybe it's not worth it. I also hear from people who would say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I'm spiritual. I'm just not particularly religious. I don't see the need for it. And then third, I know of people, many, many people, who once were actively involved in a a Christian congregation. And somewhere along the line, their priorities changed. Life got too busy. Other things crowded out their involvement in the body of Christ. What I want to talk to you about is not just showing up on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night. What I want to talk about is why is the church even necessary? I grew up Baptist. Many of you did too. And so we were taught that you don't get saved by going to church any more than you sit in your garage and become a Buick. Uh, Salvation isn't parceled out bit by bit every time you come into the, the church house. That's true in scripture. You are saved through the grace of God by by faith in him. And that's something that no one else can do for you. And we've heard that so often and, and we've we've taken that so to heart. We've almost made it sound like church attendance itself, involvement in a church, is optional. It's for those super Christians, but not for ordinary people. Well, I want to argue against that tonight. And I want to give you two reasons right off the top why the church is necessary, why it is non-negotiable as part of the Christian life. And the first reason is because it's important to God. Because it's important to God, and it's clear in Scripture that it is, then it should be important to us. It's important to God. We see that because everything He does He does through his people, the church. In the book of Acts, when God was seeking to spread the gospel, to begin the spread of the gospel around to the farthest corners of the earth, 
He didn't send an army of angels to do it. He didn't write his gospel into the sky. He didn't just drop Bibles in the language of all the peoples of the earth on them like manna from heaven. He sent ordinary people, the apostles, those first Christians, as they scattered, God spread the gospel through them. And that's still how he does his work today. I heard a preacher once say that the church, the local church, is God's plan A for taking the gospel to the world as no be. But not just the church isn't just necessary, it isn't just important to God. He loves the church. He calls it his bride. Can you imagine going up to your boss and saying, boy, I really admire you. I think you're a great employer. I'm so happy to work for you. I really love the way you run things. I just don't like your wife. Well, I don't think that would go over well. Please don't try. Um, but that's how God takes it when we say, well, I, like, I love you, Lord, and, and I love Jesus, and I love the Word, but I just don't like the church. God loves his bride, and so should we. That's reason number one. But here's reason number two. This is where I want to spend most of my time. You should be involved in a local church. You should attend. You should become integrally involved in the life of the congregation. And by the way, it doesn't have to be my church, and it, it doesn't even have to be a Baptist church, as long as it's a church that preaches Jesus and preaches the true gospel. You should do that because it's important to God, but secondly, because it's how God grows his people. You were created not just to exist, but to become someone new, something, something you couldn't possibly be on your own. You were created to conform to the image of Christ Jesus himself, to become a miracle walking on two legs. And that can't happen without involvement in the church. For, for someone to say, I want to grow, I want to become all I'm supposed to be in Christ, I just don't want to be involved in a church, I want to do it by myself, is sort of like I as a parent saying, I want my kids to grow up healthy and strong, but I'm not going to provide them with healthy food to eat. The two things don't match. So if you want to become all you were created to be in Christ, if you want to experience life more abundant, you cannot do that on your own. You cannot do that without involvement in a local body of believers. And here's why. I, mean, I want to read to you from Ephesians 4, so you can turn there with me if you want. But in Ephesians 4, it talks about why the church is so important to us becoming who, we're, who we were created to be. First of all, three reasons. First of all, when you become part of the body of Christ, when you're actively involved in a local church, you're part of something bigger than yourself. See, on our own, we tend to be self-centered. We, we tend to be focused on our own desires, needs, fears, hopes, dreams, anxieties. But when we become actively involved in a body of believers, that begins to change. Ephesians 4 verse 1 goes like this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Remember those words. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul was a great writer, and we, we really read the apex of his abilities in those words. He, he expressed that so beautifully. I, this past February, my family and I were so blessed to be able to go to, to Israel with a group from our church, 
And I remember being in Jerusalem and one morning, my daughter Kaylee and I got up very, very early before dawn uh, and went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. If you're not familiar, the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is a cathedral that's built on the spot where it is traditionally believed Jesus was crucified. And we got up early because that's a very popular destination for tourists, obviously. We wanted to get there when there were no people. We just wanted to be able to walk around in that beautiful place, that historic place, and experience it. Well, we miscalculated completely. Even though we got there before dawn, the place was already full of people. You had a, a group of European Roman Catholics in one section having a mass. You had a group of Greek Orthodox in another area worshiping. Um, we, we encountered hordes and hordes of Asian people, Koreans mainly. Who were there worshiping Jesus. There were Italians, there were Germans, there were people from all over the world in that place before dawn. Now, these people had nothing in common with us in terms of interests, in terms of language, in terms of uh, viewpoints on a number of issues, even in terms of the, the way we worship, the, the style of our worship. But what drew us together, what put us in that same place, was we were all people for whom Christ died. We were all people who had received the grace uh, of a gracious and loving Savior. And when you become an active part of a body of believers, you're part of something larger than yourself. You're connected to others. It takes you away from that self-centered, small mindset. Even, even just a local congregation like First Baptist Conroe, where we do speak the same language, where we are basically from the same place, we, we still come from different kinds of backgrounds, from different family systems, from, from different viewpoints, different political opinions, different preferences, different styles of dress. I mean, we are very different people. In fact, there are people in our church who I'm sure, if you're part of First Baptist, there are people in this church that I'm sure you wouldn't choose to associate with in ordinary life because you just don't have anything in common with them. But you're brothers and sisters with them now because Christ died for you. And Christ died for them too. And it makes you part of something bigger than yourself. I, some years ago, we visited California and went to Myrrh Woods, where they have a vast forest of, of redwoods and sequoias. And those trees are amazing. I, I, I love living in Texas, but we don't have anything that compares to those trees. Our little oak trees look like shrubs next to these mighty redwoods. They just tower into the sky and their trunks are so wide, a family of four can't even reach around them. But I read an article once that blew me away. It said the redwoods actually, relative to their size, have very small root systems. You would think they have these massive roots that go on for miles and miles, but the truth is their root systems are very small. The only reason they're able to stay up is because they're connected to each other. Within a redwood forest, those roots interconnect and they literally hold each other up. The article said that if you could somehow pull up, uh, uproot a, a, a redwood and transplant it somewhere on a plane, it would fall over with the first stiff wind because divorced from its support system, it cannot stand, and that's us. We need to be part of something larger than ourselves. And this is why Hebrews 10.25 tells us, don't forsake the, the assembling together of believers. Don't stop gathering as God's people. Even in the first century, there was this tendency to say, well, I don't really need to go to church on Sundays. I have the Holy Spirit inside me. I've got a personal relationship with Christ. I know I'm saved. 
Yes, but you still need to come together. Hebrews 10.25 says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the closer judgment day gets, the more you need the fellowship of other believers because life gets hard. And you need to be part of something larger than yourself. Second reason, because you have meaningful work to do. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's why you need to be part of the body of Christ. He, Ephesians 4 goes on, I'll pick up with verse 11, and says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. If I were to ask you, what is a pastor's main job? What is the most important responsibility of a minister of God? What would you say? You might say preaching the word. You might say evangelism, winning people to Christ. You might say pastoral care, showing up when people are weeping or when they're sick or when they're grieving or when they have questions about the faith or when they need counseling. You might say any of those things, but you'd be wrong. See, all those things are important. But according to verse 12 that we just read, the whole purpose of anyone who is called to be a leader within God's church, the whole purpose is not to do the ministry themselves. It is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Guess who the saints are? That's you. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you are a saint. It just means holy one. It just means people belonging to God. You have work to do. There are things that God has called you to do as part of our church that no one else can accomplish in quite the same way you can. Kind of a funny story. Uh, years ago when I was in another church, our music minister took a sabbatical. He was gone all summer long. And everything seemed to go pretty well because we were able to uh, get other musically talented people to lead the singing on Sundays and to lead the choir and the other music programs. But then we had a funeral one week and none of those substitutes could be there. And I said, you know, it's okay. I, I can lead singing. I, I love music and, and I know how to stand up in front of a group of people. I'm not shy. And, and so we had three congregational hymns and then I delivered a funeral sermon. And I could tell, even as I'm leading those congregational songs, that it's not. story. Someone came to me, a member of my church, and said, well, you tried. And I had to laugh. They were right. It, it was miserable because I'm not called to be a worship leader. I was trying to do something that, that wasn't in my wheelhouse. And the fact is, that's what happens when, the, when there are people who aren't fulfilling their calling. That's what happens when you have a job to do and we're counting on and you choose to say, well, I don't really be, want to be part of what God's doing in this local body of believers. I don't really want to be part of a church. Well, then you hurt us because no one can do your job as well as you can. It's just like when I tried to lead worship. It, it, we can get it done, but it's obvious it's not the way God intended it. And believe me, the job God has called you to isn't necessarily something that's out front, in front of people. It may not be teaching a Bible study. It may not be leading uh, in worship or singing a song. It may be something uh, much more behind the scenes. It may be something administrative or servant-oriented. It may be something having to do with prayer or with generosity. It may not even be something that has a title in the church. It may be something you do outside the walls 
of the church. The question is, are you accomplishing what God has placed you on this earth to accomplish? And if you are, then you're building up the body of Christ. Then you're making the church stronger. If you're not, you're hurting the church. You need to be part of a local congregation because God gave you meaningful work to do. And then third, and finally, you're being transformed. And a big part of your transformation process is your involvement in a local body of believers. So the passage goes on in verse 15 and says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, the church is the only institution on earth in which being a part of it, membership in it, leads to you becoming like Jesus. That's really a miracle. But it only happens if you choose to function as part of the body. I love that, that image that we grow up into our head. It's sort of like when you see a toddler. Their head is proportionally large to the rest of their body. You hope they're going to grow into that head, right? Well, that's us as the church. We don't match our head. Jesus is who he is, and we don't seem to match who he is. But his goal for us, his, his plan for us is that we would grow into his character so that someday God, not God, but people will look at us and say, wow, they look like Jesus. They remind me of him. That only happens, though, according to this, when every part is working properly, when everybody's doing what they're called to do. In other words, if you choose to not be a part of our congregation, you're hurting us not just because work isn't getting done, but because we need you to help us grow, to help us be transformed. Your presence encourages me. Your presence sometimes rebukes me, sometimes corrects things in me that need to be corrected. You being there can inspire me, encourage me, can, can bring me to shame, but either way, God uses you to help me grow. And the same thing is true from me to you. We need one another's presence. I can remember years ago when I was in seminary, we lived in Fort Worth. We lived in a house with no central AC or heat for a while. It was a big drafty rent house. It's a great house in a lot of ways, but on really, really hot days, well, you can imagine how hot it got in there, but far worse were the cold days. I can remember one day in the wintertime, it was the coldest day Fort Worth had seen in years. And I was sitting and, and studying, and I just couldn't get warm. No matter what I did, I kept putting on... Uh, long underwear and, and, and sweatshirts and sweaters and jackets. And pretty soon I looked like that kid Randy from A Christmas Story. Remember, I can't put my arms down. And I still wasn't warm. I'm still shivering. And finally I asked my wife, I said, Carrie, are you, aren't you cold? And she said, no, I feel pretty good. And I couldn't understand. She wasn't all bundled up. She had some warm weather clothes on, but she looked like an ordinary person, not like the Michelin man like I did. And I couldn't understand why she wasn't cold. And then it hit me. I was sitting. I was reading. I was stationary. She was up moving. She was getting things done. She was vacuuming the floor. She was cleaning the kitchen. She was putting things up. In other words, her blood was pumping and it was keeping her warm. My blood was sedentary. And so I was freezing. And so it's funny, isn't it, that 
doing something, taking a step that wouldn't seem to be related to getting warmer actually is what made her warm. I thought, yeah, you put on a blanket, you put on a coat, that makes you warmer. And in truth, it was something far, far different. So in the same way, you and I have a lot of problems in our lives. We fight with our spouses. We, get, we struggle with discouragement. We hate our job. We feel empty inside. So we try all sorts of solutions. We read a book. We go to a seminar. We make a resolution. Maybe even try to dull our pain through experience through drugs or alcohol. The one thing that really makes a difference is something that doesn't even seem related to our problems. Keeping our relationship with God by becoming an active part of a church. And that's what brings joy to us and that's what brings transformation. And listen, I'm not promising you that if you become actively involved in our church or some other church, all your problems will go away and everything will be great. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if if life, if you want life to, to become worth living, if you want to see yourself grow into the person God created you to be, if you want to do uh, important, meaningful work, if, if you want to experience life as it was meant to be lived, part of the process is being part of God's family, his local body of believers, the church. So I'm urging you to try it. If you're not already doing it, get up off the couch and get your spiritual blood pumping by joining in with his family. Let me just say this and then I'm done. I'm not saying you go to church expecting to be entertained. Church should never be boring. If it is, that's my fault. Come talk to me. But church is not to be entertainment. It's not supposed to be like a movie or a comedy show or a concert. You don't go because you want to impress people. Trust me, no one's impressed that you came to church on a Sunday. And you don't go because you want good luck or you want God to favor you. There's no angel in heaven who's checking attendance. And, and just because you've, got, you've come to church six weeks in a row doesn't mean that everything is going to turn, turn around for you and you're going to have good fortune in all that you do. But, again, if you want to become the person you were created to be, if you want your life to matter eternally, if you want to see the world change for the better, the way God wants to bring all of that is about is through the Holy Spirit's work in your life and in the life of a local church like ours. Isn't it great that God chooses to use ordinary people like us? Isn't it great that He can build through a local church bonds of friendship that last forever? I hope you're experiencing that. If you're not, if you have any questions, if you would like to know more about our church, please give me a call or an email. I'd love to talk more with you. Hope you're having a good week. God bless you.